Hey everybody, welcome to Long Story Short, the podcast. I'm Megan. I'm Wendy. And in today's episode, we are talking with our friend, Amanda Muse, fellow podcaster, YouTuber, all around woman extraordinaire. But before we get to our interview with Amanda, if you want to find us outside of this podcast, when it's over, you can do that on Instagram and TikTok. We are at Megan and Wendy. And if you want to continue the conversation, hop into our Facebook group, which is Long Story Shorties. And we always love your emails. So you can email us anytime about anything at Megan and Wendy at gmail.com. So last week I was lamenting the passage of time, mm-hmm. last musical, time marches on. And this week, as we are recording this, I am sitting in our school's book fair. I have been running our school's book fair. I think I've done it for seven of the last nine years. And it's my last one. Are 10 you, years at the school, my last book fair. Are you sad about it? A little bit, because for a while, it felt like this weight around my neck as I was prepping for it. And then I was on campus yesterday, making copies and getting ready and going through all the files. And I do kind of love the book fair. What do you like about it? Well, first of all, I love a book fair. It has, it's so nostalgic for me, sure, like visiting sure. the Scholastic Book Fair, when all I wanted to buy were like posters and erasers. <laughs> but as an adult, and as a kid, I loved books too. But of course, my nine-year-old self was like, give me that kitten poster. Mm-hmm. But as an adult, I mean, there, I just, I love being in a room full of books. I love seeing kids shop for books. I love talking to kids about books. The kids get so excited to come. The PTA gives teachers money to spend for their classroom. So the teachers get to come shop and the librarian gets to come shop. And it's just an event that I have fond feelings for. And I'm good at it. I've been doing it for a long time. So Mm -hmm. I feel good doing Mm -hmm. it. And so I'm okay closing this chapter. But I am, as we're recording this, it's in the future. But as you're listening to this, it's happening right now. I am, I'm looking forward to it. Does middle school have a book fair? Not that I'm aware of. Some do. I don't think my kids' middle school does. Oh, that's a bummer. Maybe you can <laughs> bring it over make there. Make it happen there. Yeah. I think, and typically when the middle school does it, it's kind of like a the librarian runs it and they just set it up. And it's not quite the bring every kid to walk through mm-hmm. the book fair experience that mm-hmm. you get in elementary school. Yeah, the middle schoolers are like not interested in the books anymore i feel like you know for leisure reading and the iphone shaped erasers don't hold that yeah. same yeah allure Mm-mm. yeah we have to have to hide some of those so they don't all sell out on the first day <laughs> oh and God. then you've got like the fourth graders coming in on day five and they're like where are the invisible ink pens oh my gosh it's very exciting for them that are gonna honestly break the next day you should know that i'm the kind of book fair chair that if your kid comes up to me with like a 20 dollars and a pile of tchotchkes i'm like no 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 no, mm-hmm. friend your adult did not send you with 20 dollars to buy junk like you need to buy a book mm-hmm. before you buy the junk the junk so if you did send your kid with 20 dollars to buy crap i'm sorry because i typically don't let them leave with, i think we without this, a book we had the same role when i helped with book fair it was like you had to if you were buying junk you had to buy a book too yeah yeah i have an update on what very important subject which is love is blind and maybe this will be the last week we talk about this show but it's a two-parter okay i'm ready first jezebel.com reports that shake finally apologized to deep d for being an absolute dick. Their words, not mine. <laughs> Seriously? That's what it says? That's the headline. Oh my gosh, how funny. 
Deep D, I'm truly sorry for some of the things that I said. Things that honestly just could have been left unsaid or could have been said differently. Things that should never have been said on national television before calling his former fiance his best friend. What? I feel like that's not a great apology. No. Well, first of all, he says, for some of the things I said. How about all the things I said? Or for the things I said, you know? Like, don't qualify it. He's just a garbage human. Still has no self-awareness. I I can't believe this guy is like a veterinarian. Like, I would not want to take my animal to him. (laughs) Don't you want someone who's like kind and loving and gets on the floor with your scared dog? Yes. There's a vet on TikTok who's kind of viral because they always do these videos of him. Like, comes in like the dogs are cowering in the corner and he like sits on the floor and earns their trust. It's very sweet. That's the vet I want. He's also... Rather handsome, which contributes to his. Yeah, Shake's not doing that. Shake's thinking about, like, the next Coachella, you know? He's like, put a towel over that dog's head and let's give him a vaccine. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Next Coachella. In better news, if you watched the reunion, Kyle said his deepest regret was not proposing to Deep D. Mm -hmm. And I read then after the fact that She responded to that by saying that apparently they did have a relationship in the pods, but it was never shown. Oh, okay. There's a lot that happens that we don't see. And she had said, like, she's just, she's just living life. Like, they're spending time together. Well, apparently, TMZ reports that they were spotted together. They were walking the streets of Wicker Park. They weren't holding hands or getting cuddly, but people who saw them said they looked like a couple. Way to spin, TMZ. Totally. I don't like Kyle. He gives me controlling vibes. Yeah, I didn't really care for him all that much. Here's what I didn't like. Now, Shayna, I'm not her biggest fan. Mm -hmm. But in the pods, when he was proposing, she was very hesitant. And I felt like he pushed her. Mm. I felt like he said, like, no, give this a chance. Give us a chance. We can do this. And then later on, she said, I don't think this is going to work. I feel really strongly about my faith. I'm not 100% believing that that was her sole hesitation, Mm -hmm. but he still was like, no, give us a chance. Give it. I felt like he was never hearing her. Mm -hmm. I did like him saying like, I love Deep D. I think she's great. I mean, I want that redemption for Deep D. Yes, so do I, but not with him. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Let's find her someone else. Speaking of updates, I believe you have a rental property booger update for us. I do. Okay, so... A few days prior to checking out of the rental house, um, my husband slammed like the side gate and broke, broke it basically. Mm-hmm. Did I tell you this yes. already? I did. Okay. Yes. So I didn't feel like I had any leverage to complain about like the boogers in the house. Right. Because I didn't know if the owner was going to be like, now you owe me a thousand dollars or whatever. I didn't know how it would go. Upon checkout, I sent him a text and I said, we enjoyed staying at your house, which is half truth. And I'm going to leave a nice review on Airbnb. But here are the things that were a problem. In that list, I included the boogers and he was mortified. Oh, he was like, I'm so sorry. That's disgusting. I wish you would have told me that when you saw it. I would have had the cleaning company come back out, which I'm really convinced it's them who's cleaning it. Sure. There's no way it's a cleaning company. But who knows? Maybe. And then he was like, don't worry about the fence. So 
And you told him about the fence. I we did tell him about the fence. Yeah. Well, that's mm-hmm. good. So it 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 all ended well. He was really mortified though by it. <laughs> and maybe he knew the fence was not in great condition. Well, the it's funny because the where the where the fence slat like broke you could tell it was weak because there was like two spots that had you know like naturally happened in wood Mm -hmm. like you know um Mm -hmm. is like a weakened you know hole or you know what i'm talking about yeah and my husband had just like pulled it shut and it just snapped you know down the length of the board right i mean but we also like glued it back on with wood glue and we were trying to repair it so i felt like that may have seen like we were a little bit like trying to get away with like repairing it, hope, hoping that the owner didn't see that we had broken it. But you still told him. I still, we still told him. You know, I mean, things happen in houses. And I think there's a big difference between like intentional damage, mm-hmm. right? Negligence. And like this thing was old and it would have broken when somebody closed it at some point and mm-hmm. it happened to happen when you were there. Well, I think that's a happy ending. It is. And I'm so happy to be out of that house too. So speaking of homes. We're in Wendy's house today. We're rarely in Wendy's house, typically because Wendy's husband works from home and prior to a week ago, didn't have like a closed office space. Mm-hmm. So like we can't record and he also can't work with us like talking about love is blind in the background. <laughs> anyway, we're at Wendy's house today and every single turn I take, she's like, oh, that's dirty. Oh, this bathroom's not as clean as it should be. First of all, I do the same thing a hundred percent. I'm like, oh, welcome to my house. I'm sorry. It's dirty. Even... If I think my house is quite clean mm-hmm. for my house. But they're, I'm sure you've seen them. They're on like TikTok and Instagram. People are like, what my wife thinks people are going to do when they come to our house. And they like open the door and push past you and like take a white glove <laughs> to the top of your mantle. And like look behind your toilet for dust. And peel back your bed to make sure everything's made. They like run through the house. <laughs> Nobody cares about the state of your house as much as you do. And I honestly think that a house that looks like people live there makes people feel more comfortable because they're like, oh, this is what my house looks like, too. There is mail on the counter or there's trash that needs to go out or there's dishes that need to be put away. And I'm talking about my house. I am not talking about Wendy's. I'm just saying I'm very guilty of this, too. But I think we could all stand to let it go. I I wish I could. Well, and she was like, I want to have people over, but I don't want them to, I want my house to be perfect. Yeah. Is your house ever going to be perfect? No, that's why I don't ever have people over. <laughs> so what's more important to you? The house being perfect or being able to entertain? I Look, at this is a topic of therapy all the time. Yes. So <laughs> And talking about white gloves. Yes. That's what my dad does, though, when he comes over. He fully Stop. Ch- my dad will do that with my car. When I would go home. Mm-hmm. Even when I didn't live there, like I'd go back outside and he'd be washing the car. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, but I mean, it's nice, but also I would be like, oh, you saw that my car was dirty. Yeah. No, I just remember like the, I remember when we moved out of our first apartment, my husband and I, my dad came, was helping and he's like, whoa, this is really dirty. And that has like stuck with me for 20 plus years. Well, that's funny that you say that because when I... I think I was moving back to Orange County to go to grad school and I had been living alone in LA and I think some friends were taking some furniture that I had and they were going to my apartment. I had moved out, but I had left the furniture so they could go up and pick it up. I was 21 years old. 
I'm messy now. Imagine me 21 years ago. <laughs> I had moved out, but I needed to go back and like do like the sweep. So if you ever moved out, there's just like yeah. little things everywhere. It was a dirty apartment. I needed to go back and like throw out all the trash and run the vacuum through. Mm-hmm. So I would get my security deposit back. But in the meantime, I was taking all my stuff to Orange County. And my friend was like, couldn't believe that like this is what your apartment look like because apparently they thought like i had my act together Mm -hmm. i was like well i can be a functioning human and also like your apartment's dirty when you move out but that was 21 years ago and i still remember i'm like that person thinks i'm messy Uh, i'm like you should come over to my house now because it's so nice i know see yeah i i am so hung up on like the littlest details i just don't want people to notice them because i notice them you know yes but maybe people don't notice them when they come over. I don't think they do. I always look at like my baseboards and how the yes. baseboards need to be cleaned. I'm like, does anybody else notice these? I wonder because. Well, we were supposed to record at my house today and I was like vacuuming downstairs and sweeping to make sure there wasn't like, you know, little dust bunnies under the refrigerator before you came over. <laughs> because I would notice. That. I mean, you might. <laughs> I am my father's daughter. So, <laughs> you know, I don't man so maybe you are walking through with a white glove i'm uh, i really don't i don't notice any of that stuff at your house (laughs) it's only my house i notice it i promise you so scrolling through the news this morning Mm -hmm. and through doom and gloom and despair yes came across an article on cnn titled 13 beauty products that hollywood makeup artists can live without this was published on today march 10th so we need a little levity in our lives okay I thought this list was interesting, and um, it says we exclusively asked seven A-list artists whose clients include Rachel Brosnahan, Gwyneth Paltrow, Dakota Johnson, Jessica Alba, Megan Fox, Zendaya, and Scarlett Scarlett Johansson to tell us some of their favorite beauty products. So 10 of these products are under $40. There's 13 total. Just tell me if you've heard of these things. Okay. First up, Path McGrath Pat McGrath Labs Dark Star Mascara. I know Pat McGrath. I don't know that particular mascara. Is it more than $40? It is $30. Uh. Now, you know my feeling about mascara is it's, I think mascara is one of those products that doesn't necessarily get better the more money you spend on Mm -hmm. it. Like, I think buying a high-end foundation, buying a nice lipstick, those things you can really get better mm-hmm. but i think you can get a great seven dollar mascara i think so too like how different could the formula be between a forty dollar one and a seven dollar one next mm-hmm. up the real techniques makeup setting brush yes i have that yes real is- techniques makes great i like their mm, beauty blender yep just bought <laughs> a new one yesterday and i like their brushes i buy a ton of their brushes all the time now, this is the next one, though. Monica Blunder Beauty Call Your Bluff Angled Brush. No, I've never heard of that. Now, this was recommended by the makeup artist herself. <laughs> okay. Okay, that's fair. Self-promotion. Okay, fine. Fine, fine. Lash Lash Individual Marielle Lashes. So these are like little... Uh, Marielle, isn't that... Can you buy those like at Ulta? I feel like that's like a... They linked um, the Lash Lash website, um, but I do you ever buy false lashes? No. I mean, yes, I have when we were doing Date My Dad on Friday nights. That's right. I was wearing falsies for that. I don't know why. They look good on. I don't have the patience. I'm not good at Me it neither. at all. That Me is neither. not a skill that I own. You guys, we have a really funny um, magnetic eyelash video. 
Yes. I'm going to link in our show notes. It was such a hot mess. <laughs> and I think magnetic, magnetic lashes have come a long way since then. Yes. <laughs> Agree. So now funny. we've, I think the magnetic liner is such a better way to go than the two opposite magnetic sides trying to smash them together. It yes. was a nightmare. <laughs> Now we get into some really expensive beauty tools. The Jillian Dempsey Gold Sculpting Bar, $195 at Sephora. What does it do? There's three tools. Then there's the Joanna Vargas Magic Glow Wand and the Rifa Carrot Ray Face Roller, which looks like a sex toy. This just says they can help depuff, sculpt, and drive skincare deep into the skin quickly and effectively. And this particular makeup artist recommended these three products. So are they like... uh prep tools that you would use before applying makeup yes these are more for skin care okay no i haven't heard of any of those and they range from 195 dollars to 285 yikes do you know about gua sha no i'm sorry if i'm saying that wrong it's like a stone tool oh yes i have one have you ever used it like uh i have actually i have seen videos where people show they're like this is before and this is like using it for 30 days and their face is magically sculpted differently yeah i've used it like once or twice it's basically to push like um lymph fluid or whatever off your face Mm -hmm. off you know like through your face more effectively than like a roller yeah yeah no my daughter wanted one from amazon and i was like yeah me too so we we bought them from amazon I'm I'm super curious if someone has used those and like those. I've seen a lot of people videos of them using them. Lash Star Supreme Lash Curler, $25 at Nordstrom. Do you use a lash curler? Rarely. I have one. I don't even own one. I'm too lazy. CoverGirl Colorlicious Lipstick. Shade 305 Hot. It's like a great red, which I'm never going to wear, but I do love a drugstore. Me too. Lippy. The final thing, R Brow Brow Balm. It's a heavily consistency that moisturizes the brows, adding shine. I've never heard of that. Is that like a lamentation? Am I saying it right? No. Lamination. Yeah, whatever. It looks like it's like a brow moisturizing gel. Okay. All natural styling balm that conditions, nourishes, and stimulates hair growth. I mean, if you've got great brows and all you need is like a little zhuzh... (laughs) Rock on with your bad self. Look, I, I got great brows help. because I have fake brows. So um, shout out to Sarah. And I just zhuzh this brow hair up every once in a while. Yeah, I also go to Wendy's Brow Girl, but I have not gotten my brows microbladed. I just get them tinted every month. I'm really happy that I've done it. It makes a huge difference. It's like me. one less thing to do in the morning that you felt like you had to do every day right yeah because my brows are transparent they're completely blonde they don't exist without Mm -hmm. dye on them and then you know she waxes them so they're shaped nicely and then all i have to do i run like a little brow gel through them just to put them in place but yeah that's i mean i haven't gotten my hair cut professionally in two and a half years but i'm getting my brows done are you still cutting your hair at home i mean i haven't done it in several months but i'm kind of like why would i go get a haircut i haven't ruined it yet All right, we are going to take a quick break and we'll be right back to talk with Amanda Muse. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Dormio. We've spent a lot of time talking about getting better sleep as getting good sleep in your 40s is not an easy feat. And we're here to tell you that Dormio can help you do 
just that. I'm using a Dormio mattress topper and pillow. You know I'm a hot sleeper to the point that I've been known to take off my pajamas in the middle of the night and this mattress topper breathes. It draws in cool air while expelling hot humid air. Plus, I'm no longer waking up with an aching back from using a pillow that's way past its prime. Admit it, your pillow could probably use replacing too. It's like a brand new mattress without actually replacing your mattress. Additionally, Dormio offers a 100-night risk-free trial with no shipping or restocking fees. Visit DormioUSA.com to get on your way to better sleep. We are back with our interview with Amanda Muse and... Amanda is someone Wendy and I have known for a long time on the internet from our YouTube days. And I loved reading your bio. While living as an expatriate in Malaysia, Amanda started her YouTube channel, Amanda Muse, to document her journey into motherhood with her two children and connect with women around the world on a similar path. As one of YouTube's original moms, Amanda created an engaged community online. Her authenticity and optimism through the highs and lows resonates with her audience. I think I'm cutting into your bio right here to say that I think so many of us created these online places to connect with other people like we were just looking for our people um i mean i had a mommy blog starting in 2008 for that same reason so Mm -hmm. i think that resonates so much now amanda lives in toronto and is a full lifestyle brand she's on youtube she's on social media she has live online shows and she hosts a podcast called friendo she's been on time.com she speaks at conferences she's a multi- Iris Award nominee. Amanda, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's kind of fun to hear your bio. You're like, oh yeah, she did that. I am pretty great. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that nice? I I know it's nice. nice. It's nice to write it out. But you know, and to your point though, what you said about starting your blog Mm -hmm. to connect, it's it's very interesting to be part of that group of creators who started before we realized this was a whole business and industry. Oh, yeah. And it just sort of comes, not to say that what's new and fresh and exciting and built lately is not, it's just different. Mm -hmm. But yeah, when you come from it where it's like you didn't have a business plan, you were just like, I'm just going to create and see what happens. It's kind of an interesting place to start. Yeah, that's such an interesting perspective because when I started, and it was truly a mommy blog, and I know people use that term as a derogatory term, but that's really what it was. And I read other parenting blogs at the time. And all I wanted, all I wanted were those commenters, like enjoying my stories about my children and commiserating. And there, the fact that you could make any money, I mean, the very first sponsored thing I did was for a yogurt brand. And I think I got like a coupon for maybe two (laughs) free yogurts. And I was like, this is amazing. Right? (laughs) So... It really did start from a very pure place. But I think one of the things that we love about you is that even though it has evolved into a business, you show up in such an authentic way. And, you know, you're fun online and you're just as fun in person. We've had the pleasure to meet you briefly. But like I said, what we love the most is your honesty. And I'm going to admit that we're going to take full advantage of that in this episode. Good. So do we have so much we want to talk about. And I was trying to find like a shallow end to start when I was looking over the topics and there isn't one. So I'm diving in. (laughs) 
Let's go. And I want to use a buzzword that is at the top of everyone's mind these days, and that word is pivot. And I think you experienced a major pivot over the last couple of years in becoming the primary income earner in your family after going from a two-income family to being carrying that responsibility yourself thanks to COVID-related layoffs. Yeah, um, that was that was a time. Yeah. So can you give us a little bit of background on that? And then I'd love to talk specifically about how it affected you. Mm. So the long story short is that I married a pilot and my husband, Dean, has been in the industry for 30 years. He's, that's one of the reasons we lived overseas. You know, he was building this career. And we finally made this decision as Canadians to stay put, get it, you know, get him one of these legacy type of carrier jobs where he would be in the aviation industry and we would, you know, think about retirement because he's getting closer to that age. Mm -hmm. I was like, cool, we're not going to move overseas anymore. Let's do this. So he signs on with Canada's, you know, largest carrier. And uh, a lot of people at this particular carrier have been there forever. Like that's kind of where they started. But Dean knew that it's one of those jobs. Once you get in, it's, you're not going to want to leave. You're not going to want to go and live in Southeast Asia and do all these exciting adventures. So he takes the gig and that was in March of 2020. And, uh, yeah. So that was, and we were so excited. We're like, Oh my God, we're going to have passes. We can still leave, lead this life filled with wanderlust and travel with our kids, but have this retirement gig. And then the world shut down. And he was, of course, bottom of the list in terms of seniority at this airline. And uh, he got furloughed. So basically laid off and then was not called back until like two weeks ago. So we experienced, you know, just about two years of job loss and it is a really strange thing to be, you know, I call myself a YouTuber because it's where I started and to be the YouTuber that is providing for the family blessing, right? Because everyone's at home and everyone was at home on their phones and on their computers. Yeah. And so it was such an opportunity for me to tap into what I was already doing. So I had already been earning income, but it was kind of like this side hustle. It wasn't, I took it very seriously, always have in terms of my work ethic and this and that. Um, but it wasn't something that you rely on. And when, you're, when your little hobby becomes how you pay your mortgage, there was a shift. But I just put my head down and I, I did it. And my community was there for me. We launched a side business. We, my husband is a candle maker as well now. And um, <laughs> it was like, you know, airline pilot turned candle maker, right? It, it, there's just, it was a wild time. I'm surprised we're still married, truthfully. Like that, it was that challenging of a time. But we just... We were like, we know this isn't forever and we can see the light. We just got to like really squint to see it, but we'll get through this. And here we are two years later, still married, still have a house, <laughs> still have jobs. Like it's very exciting, but it was, it was a really trying time for sure. Well, and I think that's such, you know, talk about reading your bio is like a nice look at your accomplishments. That's something to be proud of because I know as a creator, the last two years, and especially, you know, those first six months of pandemic life, I was not in a creative space. I was not in a space where my brain could have been like, oh, yeah, let me take this side hustle and turn it into a full-time income. That, who knows what would have happened under pressure, right? But I think that's incredible to have been able to do that. So I'm glad that you acknowledge that, yeah, I did that. That's, <laughs> we did yeah. it. It was 
it was it was really intense. I have this amazing community because you know as a creator especially on very you know varying platforms you have different reasons why people connect with you Uh and on youtube because i started my channel living in malaysia i have a very large malaysian audience and ironically enough you know when the pandemic hit and covid took over i actually experienced some viral content in malaysia so it was very like if something was kind of serendipitous, like there's nothing like having a little viral success to help light that flame to keep right. going, you know? So that was really helpful. But I hear you like right now, and I know you'd mentioned you want to talk about how this affected me personally, but like right now I'm actually struggling a little with creativity because it's almost like I can take a breath now mm-hmm. that I know Dean is back to work. I'm like, holy crap, that was a wild ride for two years. And I'm feeling the impact now, like like I've just taken off the armor that I've been wearing for two years and I am a wee bit fragile, you know? I Yeah, I would imagine. So did you, I'm sure the answer is yes, but the question is, did you have to change the way that you did business? And if so, how? What changes did you make to take that from side hustle to bill paying? Mm. I will say like financially, it had been good for a while. Um, like a a good long while. Mm -hmm. I I feel like I'm in a sweet spot in Canada with the content that I make and the connections I have because it is truly a community who you know. So that was always really good. It's almost like in a way it actually got easier for me because perhaps there may be some folks out there who can relate. Like when you're a mom and a partner and you're a wife and you identify with those responsibilities, sometimes that creative element of our personalities like take the backseat, like you do it on the off times. Mm -hmm. So I built this thing of mine when my babies were very small. You know, my daughter was six months old, who's 10 now. And I had done started making YouTube videos during nap time. And then I would stay up late and edit and learn how to edit where all of a sudden I got to have like daytime hours and work like, you know, I, I I'm a very optimistic person. And so it's hard for me to always, you know, see it as a negative but here I was working like these full 40 hour weeks but like in daylight hours and able to somewhat shut off at the end of the day which I never had before I felt like I was go 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 all day doing the mom thing and then I was doing the side hustle thing from like 8 p.m onwards and I would not get enough sleep and it was always this weird balancing act where all of a sudden husband kicked it into high gear in terms of like taking over a ton of domestic duties which like we kind of cut down the middle I'd say um but all of a sudden, all this stuff was taken off my plate. So it actually, in a way, got a little easier. Yeah, that honestly makes a lot of sense to me because Wendy and I still work around our kids' schedules, right? Like we work when they're in school mm-hmm. and when they're home, we shut off until, you know, after everybody goes to bed. And so I can see the advantage of, oh, look, this is my job. So I can go in the room and shut the door. That's such a mom thing to do, right? Like you had this job Mm -hmm. before, you still had the right to the time. But I think we have a really hard time claiming that time over our families. It's like it. And can you hear my dog barking, by the way? Oh, mine's growling at the door. So gosh, she's like a squirrel has walked by. Um, Everyone must know. But you know, in a way, it's almost like it validated my industry. Mm -hmm. Because As much as my husband supports me now, there was uh, some rocky times at the start where he was like, I don't understand what you're doing, like playing on YouTube. You're a grown lady. You know, (laughs) like it it was like a weird thing. And 
And then eventually, as he saw how successful I became, it was like, oh, no, this is like a real thing. Wait a second. Um, and and in a way, you know, I've often struggled with this. And Dean and I talk about it a lot where it's like, you know, when you're looking at me working, if I'm not sitting at my desk, does it look like I'm working? Because I'm, I'm making a video on my phone. Yes. And I'm playing on TikTok. And it looks like I'm just playing. Um and so that's often hard. It's like, mom, pay attention to me. I'm like, sweetie, I'm working. Well, you don't look like you're working. You're like scrolling on your phone. So it's a really weird industry to feel like, no, this is a real thing. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, no, no, mommy needs to work because this is how we're going to make it through the, this little strange time of our lives. So it, there was definitely a silver lining. Did you um, – do you think you took risks you might not have if you didn't have the financial motivation behind it? Your choices. Mm. Mm, I think actually in some ways it's the opposite. I feel as though I can't take as many risks uh -huh. um, because, you know, I do have a little bit of a potty mouth, for example. <laughs> I love a good swear word, like perfectly timed F-bombs, my favorite. And I remember I was kind of, who wasn't a touch stressed out and like being a little bit more carefree with it. And I lost a campaign with... Mm a brand I had worked with before because, you know, that's a little, they were a little bit more on the side of traditional media. Um, and so, you know, swearing and that kind of thing is like, you know, you don't do that. So in some ways I actually feel like there are things I'd love to do, but I can't because I don't want to risk losing any campaigns because we're still at that time where as much as it is a meeting in the middle with myself, the creator and the incredible brands I work with, they're still learning how to work with us and that if you really want something to work, you kind of have to leave it up to the creator's interpretation where it's not like a commercial for TV, you know? So mm -hmm. I, I definitely, I miss that little bit of risk and I actually feel like with Dean going back to work, there are some things I'd like to try. I don't exactly know what they are yet, but I know that I want to spread my wings a little bit and see what more is out there because I have a little bit more freedom. That makes a lot of sense. And I do think, like you said, it is a a tipping point in terms of brands allowing creators to be authentic, but also still protecting their image. And mm -hmm. yeah, that's a balance. So transitioning a little bit, you talk very freely on your platforms about mental health and the issues that you face. And as a creator you know, we talked about this a little bit, but do you find it hard to show up when you're in the weeds, so to speak? Mm, totally. And that is exactly what helped me start talking about it because it was like, I started experiencing pretty severe panic attacks like year two, you know, mm -hmm. so at, the, at the end of year one. So like 2021 basically was just a whole lot of panic happening. And I couldn't control it. And, and I've always had a really good handle on my fitness and my balancing of life and things that help keep you ticking along, you know, in the right direction. But when all of this stuff got mixed up in isolation and my extroverted self was forced to just be chained to my desk for 40 hours a week, it was, it was a lot. So I thought, if I don't talk about it, I'm going to, how do I not talk about it? Like, I'm so struggling that right now I can't actually think about anything other than what's going on. So I may as well talk about it because I sort of can make content about it. And mm -hmm. in a, in a weird way, it's like, it, it really holds me accountable to 
do something. Like if I tell someone that I'm going to go for a walk tomorrow and then I don't do it, nobody cares. But I care (laughs) that I have said Mm -hmm. I'm going to go do this thing. And so my audience, like my community really, I felt like, well, if I tell them, one, I'm probably not alone. Two, it'll probably help me get through this. And it has. It really, like I have people sending me little, you know, things that they use to help with their anxiety or their self-care that maybe they think I would like. And like not nothing that's public, but just random little messages here and there that remind me that I'm not alone in this experience or people that have messaged me saying, hey, I finally fulfilled, you know, that prescription I had for my doctor, but I've been scared to do it because I just didn't know what this journey would be like. And you, you sharing your story makes me realize maybe I could feel better, right? And I think what I've seen, I mean, I, as a person with anxiety, I think we're in a place where slowly but surely people are starting to talk about what it looks like to live with, you know, mental health issues. And I think it's so important for people to see other people living the way they do, understanding that, you know, I, cause sometimes I tell Wendy this all the time, but social media is a blessing and a curse. And the problem with social media is we see it in an aggregate. I don't see social media and think, oh, there's one person doing one thing. I see it as like, there's one superhuman who's doing everything. And my brain tells me like, oh, everybody has it together better than I do. And nobody's struggling. And so I think people who like you show up and tell the truth are just paving the way for I mean, creators for sure, but for, you know, your audience to kind of take a deep breath and see themselves in you. And that's always my hope. You know, when you think about people that you follow, I think there's like this aspirational thing, you know, you want to be like them and we want to do our hair like them or try that new (laughs) lip gloss or whatever it is. Right. And then there's this Mm -hmm. inspiration and I, I, it's like finding that balance of, You know, I never want people to feel less than when they leave my presence in real life, you know, and also my place online that I've built. And I just hope to like, you know, shed some light on the fact that you can still, I don't know, like little things that drive me crazy. Like I used to really be hard on myself on always showing up online with makeup, for example. (laughs) And my husband was even like, well, maybe if you zhuzh it up a bit. And I was like, pardon? You know, like... You should zhuzh it up a bit there, buddy. (laughs) Like, you know? Um, And I was like, but he, and and he didn't get that. I would say that a lot of the people that watch my content are also sitting there makeup free in their house coat, like sipping their coffee. And I was like, no, I'm not trying to be something I'm not. And the idea of having to get up every day and make, put myself together is just so hard for me. And I'm like, why do I have to do that? Why do I feel this pressure? And similar to what you were saying about seeing people online looking like they do this every day. I'm like, wow, what do you like? What do you drink in the morning to get you motivated to do this? But yeah, it's like creating a place online where you just feel like you can just show up, hang out with a friend for a bit and then go do something cool with your day. And maybe I inspired you to do something. I don't know, try something new. So that's kind of always my hope with when I create content. I, admit that I still struggle with showing up online before I'm ready for the day. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like can't, can't get online before I look like publicly presentable. And I, I, I'm working on that. But I also think like, 
I love when people make a commitment. They're like, I'm not going to use filters anymore because this is not what my face looks like. And Mm -hmm. I admit to still using a filter now and then, but I also try and be like, okay, you're going to forget what your own face looks like because sometimes it's shocking to me to see my filter free face on the camera. I'm like, wait a minute, but that's what I look like. Am I like my face is a, is a perfectly acceptable face. Like I, I am sure you follow Elise Myers. Oh, yes. And she had a video recently where she said, it's not my job to make your eyeballs more comfy with my appearance. And I am like that. I need to say that over and over and over again. Like, it's not my job to make your eyeballs more comfy looking at me. I can show up in Uh whatever way works for me. So... And what are we watching, right? That's putting some weird messaging in our brains. Like... Right. And, you know, even with just creating content, sometimes I'm like, well, if I wore this one thing, I know I'd probably get engagement. But is that the audience I want to get? You right. Know? It's like, <laughs> so it's easy sometimes. But I, I, it's like you can see it as the creator part of it where you're like, that would be an easy win. I'd probably get a little bit more views if I did that one thing. But I'm like, meh, I'm not trying to hit that audience, you know? I, I want the 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 people that I have or the people that I want, you know, they're the right age. They're kind of like in that same category as me and they'll follow me along. You know, I don't want the biggest community. Numbers are fun, but you just want the right people in your corner. You know, Amanda, I I agree. I ironed a pair of pajamas before recording content for (laughs) a mattress brand the other day. So I still don't feel great about it, but also did look better. But I was like, wait a minute. Every single person that follows us is wearing rumpled pajamas. I've never ironed my pajamas in my life. Right? So when you have obligations to brands, obligations to other creators, to advertisers, is there a trick to showing up um, when you don't want to? Or is it just kind of like the deadline's there and I got to do it? Mm, I'm such a procrastinator. Me it's like too. my worst trait. <laughs> oh. And I get so depressed. And like, my husband's like, I don't understand. You knew this was coming. I was like, I know, but I still, I don't know what it is. Um, I find for me, when I, you know, get like, when I'm working on a campaign, there's always um, the, the work that I do beforehand. So I would suggest you, you just have everything you know you're going to shoot as detailed as possible and approved, right? Mm. So this lovely outline that I create so that the brand knows exactly what they're getting. So honestly, all I have to do is show up and just follow the script, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not really scripted, but you know what I mean. So I sure. kind of know what I'm yeah. getting into. That helps me stay organized. Um, and I just look at it like this is my job and I create, you know, this it is a job and it is serious and it is providing value to people. And I think sometimes when we doubt ourselves, it's even harder to show up because Mm -hmm. it's like, Oh, this is just, it's just a mattress or it's just, yeah, it's so cool. Like that you get to have this experience that you get to do this job from home. Like I try to remind myself, there's this great podcast I follow, um, happier in Hollywood. And they say this thing that they're like, we love our, like, I love my job and I'm happy to do it. You know, like mm. a little bit of, you have to even fake it a bit um, and create that pride around it. I know for myself, it's a lot of perfectionist tendencies that I struggle with, which I think exasperates my procrastination. Cause I'm like, well, if I can't do it perfect, what am I even doing it for? You know? Yes. Um, so I just try to like, Amanda, just do it. And it's going to be awesome. 
and I don't take a thousand takes of each thing. I do it like two, three times and I'm out, you know, like it is what it is. I am who I am. I'm doing the best that I can. And I just try to give it that kind of effort each time. Yeah. Do you consider yourself fearless in this business? Hmm. I'd say in general, I like to think I'm a fearless person. My husband may debate me on that because I get so stressed out before something new. So if I haven't done uh-huh. something before, it kills me because I just don't know how it's what the outcome's going to be, right? Yeah. Like as an example, if I'm going somewhere like an event or something, it could be a dentist experience. <laughs> I just need to know like where's the parking? Where's like 100% plan, yes. right? So <laughs> If I've done it before, I'm good. But I mean, like, I'll do live segments on morning shows. I freaking love that stuff. There's a lot of stuff that I'm pretty fearless about. I like speaking in front of crowds. That stuff doesn't bother me. Um, But sometimes trying a new piece of content is overwhelming. Like, it took me forever to get into the groove of TikTok. And now I feel like I'm in a groove and I can do it. I don't fear it anymore. I was one, One thing at the top of my mind when you said that is, like, you dance online and there's literally not an amount of money in the world. It could never, could never. I would overthink it. I just could not. And every time I see not the tweens, not the Gen Zers, but like my peers, I feel a real deep envy of what feels like fearlessness to me and comfort in their own skin. Wendy's laughing because she knows there's, it's never, it would, it's just never going to happen. Um, so I feel envious of people who can show up in that way. And it feels okay, like... tell me, tell me. If it was like, if you're like at a wedding or something and the music starts going and there's nobody on the dance floor, are you going to go first? Never. No, never. <laughs> See, I would go. I'd be like, bitch, let's go. No. I'd be like, I'd be out there. I don't want to go. Starting the conga line. <laughs> when there's a hundred people on the dance floor. I've never enjoyed ah. dancing at all. I mean... By myself when nobody, sure, like if I'm cleaning the house, and yes, like, I, but when there's an audience, never. And to be fair, mm. I have no rhythm. So it's not like I've got skills that I'm hiding behind, like I'm not hiding my light beneath a bushel in this case. There's nobody's missing anything. But um, I just think it's incredible when people can do that. That is like the ultimate. Okay. I would jump out of a plane before I would dance on video. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> See, that's fearless to me. Like, I am an earth sign. These feet got to be on the ground. Um, but to this point, though, like this type of thought process, especially being creators that have been in this space for so long, you know, um, and you're looking at it like, oh, my gosh, there's like a 14-year-old busting it down on, on TikTok. Like, what am I supposed to do here? That's the hardest part is like figuring out how the heck do I make this platform work for me? Because we don't need to change who we are to fit into this thing. Right. Right. Like, I'm not following you because I think you fit the mold of whatever it's, I, there's something about you. And that's the hardest part is like, I think the fearlessness, yeah, comes about where we almost hype ourselves up a bit to mm-hmm, show up mm-hmm. because it's so self motivating. Like, like sometimes I'm like, Nope, not today. Like I need to, <laughs> I need a like a power talk. I got to watch an old video of mine where I'm like super excited or something and I'm like getting that zone. Like I can't. And then I just thought, you know, I'm not going to show up today because I'm not my best version of myself. I'll just do it tomorrow or the day after. So even coming back to what we were saying about like working with sponsored things, 
give yourself room to create where like, if today is not the day and you're not feeling it, do it tomorrow. You know, like have a little flexibility because I don't know, it's almost like acting. Like you're almost, not that I have any experience with acting, but I'm thinking like <laughs> movies and things like it's, you're almost only as good as your last bit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So like someone had said to me and I can't take credit for it, but Tova Lee, who's a pretty cool creator, she was like, she looks at each piece of content as if it's something brand new, not comparing it to what she's created before. And I thought that was such an interesting way to look at it. Like, don't, don't worry about it fitting in your feed or having to look perfect around the edges and all this stuff. It's like, just create stuff if you, it makes you happy and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great attitude. I um, care very much about what other people think and ha- what now I'm trying very hard to quiet those voices. You know, I poor Wendy has to hear my thought process on everything about like I overthink every like, oh, well, are people going to want to see those on Instagram? Who cares? Like this is what I want to post. If they're showing up for us, then they want to see that. And if they don't, it doesn't really affect their day. Like they can scroll on past or they can unfollow if they truly find it unenjoyable. But like, why am I creating for all of these other voices? Well, and it's, it's a really hard practice because it's, there is that pressure to, once I hit this number, then there's this magical idea. We think something's going to happen or, but the more I talk to people, the more I realize like, you can actually make some pretty magic stuff happen in your space with the right audience. The numbers do help, but it's not like I have the biggest Instagram or the biggest anything. It's like, but yet there's still a lot of fun that can happen there, you know? So, and if you do post something and it flops, meh, you just don't do it again. Right. Know? And nobody cares as much as we do. I mean, nobody, yeah. totally. <laughs> nobody's like, totally. oh, look at that post that nobody liked. <laughs> Not only are you a kick-ass businesswoman, but you're a mom. And I have heard and seen you describe your parenting as gentle parenting. And I have to admit that I feel like I missed this boat. Like when Wendy and I have 14-year-olds and I have an 11-year-old. Um, I'm curious if you can talk to me a little bit about what gentle parenting means to you. Mm. So I know when they were small, there's – and I, I say when they're small, they're still small, mm-hmm. only like eight and 10, but, um, little, little, it was very attachment. Yes. Style. So I like, I mean, and I don't know why we judge people how they look. Right. But I think if people looked at me, I don't know if they would get the vibe that I breastfed for like a hundred years and slept with those little buggers in my bed for so long. And it was like, I was such a hippie, like, you know, I mean, my son, he barely wanted to eat food. I don't think he walked till he was like 15 months old because he was just like, meh, this lady carries me and I'm hooked up to the milk factory. So like, we're good. Um, so there was a lot of that. I carried them, you know, God, I was in good shape. You got like 40 pounds on your back and you're doing squats and stuff around the house. So yeah, I was definitely a little bit attachment like that. I will say too, that our lifestyle led to some of this stuff without me really making a decision. Like, we left Malaysia when my son was only six months old. So we were like traveling around the world for a few weeks and he was just like in a carrier, you know? And so hopping in hotels and all this kind of stuff, like all he, you know, he slept beside me. And then when we got back to Canada, we were in my in-laws house for a little while, unexpectedly stayed for longer than we thought. So then we each grabbed a kid and slept with a kid, you know? So it was kind of like, we didn't have 
set up and everything all ready to rock. So I don't know what I would have done in that situation. Um, but then how it's led to now is like, I'm kind of, I, something I don't talk about much cause I don't want to hear the negative feedback from other people, but like we, we're not too strict about swear words in our house. Oh yeah. I don't, I'm just not. I, I think that I have a very colorful vocabulary and I am who I am and my kids see it. They know when to use it and when not to use it. So right. I give them kudos for that. Um, you know, I, I let them express themselves. So my daughter's really flexing that. We've had a lot of different hair colors in the last little bit. Uh, there is a gentleness about, I think, how I treat myself in terms of my self-care, my hobbies and ambitions. I'm not a martyr. So I do have things I want to do and will make time to do them, even if that means I don't spend as much time with my little humans or they don't get as many activities. Like that can sound a little bit harsh, but I don't know. I just, I want my kids to see that like you can have a family and build a business and make time for yourself because it makes you a better person to then give back to them. And like they take days off school. Like I just took my daughter out of school yesterday and we hit up this really cool meditation center in Toronto. And I saw that on your Instagram and it looked amazing. It was so freaking cool. And it was a gifted experience. And I, to be honest, I don't often agree to those things because I'm like, I don't want to go. But I'm like, wait, I have a 10 year old, you know, like we can do this together. And we spent time in Toronto and got coffee and shopped and did like, it was so fun. So I think that, but with all of that said, I'm also not her best friend. You know, I'm not mm -hmm. their best friend. Like there are rules. I'm the strict one. Daddy is the weaker link. <laughs> I'm the one that's like bedtime, brush them teeth, like water pick and all this stuff. Like I'm the bossy pants for sure. But to me, that's what it is. I don't know. I'm trying to raise these two kids to go out into the world and be really interesting adults who lead lives that bring them joy and they're hardworking and all of that and accountable. Um, and it's a freaking tricky thing to do, as you know, right? Yeah, it's it's impossible. So super hard. <laughs> so super hard. Like I said, we both have teens and I have a tween daughter. And mm -hmm. a lot of what they say about raising teenagers is true. But the other thing about it is that there's really something special about watching them become their own person. And my son has this really dry sense of humor that um, he's really like testing out that I love just makes me laugh so hard the things that he says. And, um, you know, nobody tells you that. Everyone's like, oh, teenagers are the worst. And yeah, they do hate me sometimes. And he definitely thinks we're real stupid. <laughs> like he says stuff. And he'll go, how, how did you know that? Because I've been on the planet for so many years longer than you have. Like I fully exist as a human outside of you. Um, and I love what you said about like taking up your own space because I think it is so important for our kids to recognize that they're parents and not just their dads, like in our house, my husband is the primary breadwinner. He exists outside of the house. But sometimes I do think my kids think I exist in relation to how I can support them <laughs> and right. only exist on my own when they don't need me. Um, so all of that to say, what would you say to someone with who has kid who's heading into the tween years, like what's the best piece of advice you could offer to them? <laughs> I would say 
talk less. <laughs> I'm a talker. And not only that, like, I would say I'm definitely more, I'm not a yeller so much. I do yell. I'm not a robot over here. But it takes a lot to get me mad because one, I find a lot, I have a bit of a dark sense of humor. So there's a lot of stuff that I would laugh at that I probably shouldn't laugh at. Like they're going to have a lot of shit for therapy. Like let's not kid ourselves. But <laughs> You know, their mother has a freaking YouTube channel. Like, <laughs> it gets weird. Um, but I just find, yeah, like, I started to notice, I'll say, without giving, like, a whole therapy session, I had a very tricky relationship with my own mother growing up. We have repaired things now. I am, like, 37, so it was due time. Um, and I think the biggest thing is that uh, my mom is just better with adults, you know? Um <laughs> And I noticed, I was like, well, when I got pregnant with my daughter, I was scared because, oh dear, I'm going to have a little girl. And one, we're not going to create the same mistakes. How do I do that? Because like, I come from this lady, you know, there's things that are in us that we just are the way we are. Right. Um, and I noticed my daughter starting to lean away from me and a lot of back talking, a lot of, you know, just not wanting affection from me anymore, really seeking out daddy. And it was, hey, kids go through their cycles. It's going to happen. But I thought, I noticed myself getting bothered, like like as if she was intentionally doing it to me. And I was, my ego was taking a hit or something. And I was like, this is not good, right? She's like eight. Um, and I, you know, through some self-awareness and talk therapy, started to realize like, hold on. She's just trying to like, you know, untangle herself from me a little bit. And that's important. But I also want her to know that I'm still there and still mom, that's fun. And we can have a good time. And I'm not always going to be like cracking the whip with homework and brushing your teeth and all this stuff. So I just started to kind of throw myself on her physically, which sounds wild, but I was telling my girlfriends this, like, so my daughter will get into moods. Who doesn't, right? Especially if you're my daughter, because her and I are very similar. Um, and I'm like, and she's up in her room and she's being a little brat or whatever. And I'm like, hey, and I just start and I just I knock a couple times because I respect open the door and I'm like, hey, you want a steamroller? And she's like, no. And then she starts <laughs> giggling. And I just literally just start st like my full body weight on her rolling around the bed and she's laughing and screaming. And I force kisses because they'll tell you, no, I don't want to kiss. And I'm like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I feel like I stopped getting kisses when I was little from my mom and my mom stopped being affectionate with me. And I don't know if she knows that because I think it kind of just happens, but I could have used it a bit longer, even though I was saying no. So I just was like, one, Amanda, put your ego down. Two, stop talking. And three, just like physically be near her. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not a really touchy-touchy person with like my partner. I don't know. I'm not like the most, I'm not like a physical touch person, you know, but I force myself to do that with my kids. Not force, I adore them, you know, but I'm trying to make more of a point. It's easier when they're six, you know, but when they're 10 going on tween years and all of that. It's harder to do that. But I just find that that and I feel like it's helping yesterday. Tell no one, but we were walking around <laughs> Toronto and she grabbed my hand. Aww. And I was like, Oh my God. And I, I wanted to say something I was like, shut your damn mouth, Amanda. Cause if she notices <laughs> it, she's going to let go, you know? And it was amazing. And I'm like, how, like, it's crazy how that stuff just stops happening. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, my daughter's 14 and none of that is happening and I it like you said I have to check my ego because you know it hurts I'm like so sad about it 
I does wanted to hurt. grab my hand. <laughs> right. And but are you even thinking like I was imagining, can you imagine like one day when they move out, like, damn. But then, you know, when they come back for visits, maybe she'll have like a sleepover in my bed or something like that. Aww. And I was like, yeah. I want to create that. I didn't have that with my mom. I still don't, truthfully. Like, it's just not that kind of relationship. But I have that with my aunt. And I know that it's possible. And it's like, I want her to have a sore throat in the morning when we wake up. So I, I feel like I spend a lot of time imagining what a future time might be like and trying to help accommodate the present moment to encourage that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the hardest things for us is they prefer, which is natural, their friends over us. And which I get, I of course did too. Like given the opportunity Mm -hmm. when I was a teenager would have a hundred percent preferred to spend time with my friends. So I try and be like the fun house. I'm like, well, if they're going to hang out with their friends, like let them hang out here. Like I'll get all the good snacks and all, you know, so at least physically present. Um, whatever oh, it yeah. takes to keep them around a little bit. The fun house. It drives me crazy because of all the cleaning I have to do. But I'm like, I'd rather they all be here. Totally. It's the same thing. Yeah, I agree. I know. And we had some of the teenage boys here last week and they were so loud, like so loud. They were outside and we were inside with all the windows closed. And I kept trying to close the window more because they were so loud. But I was like, I am kind of glad that they're here in our backyard. Loud. Like it makes me happy. Even though I'm old, I'm like, I can't hear my show over the teenagers in the back. But that's okay. That's okay. I have to say, too, like on the topic of parenting and teens and stuff, I feel like there's a lot of creators that kind of stop creating once their kids come out of that baby phase. And I think that there is such a void. Like, we need women and parents to be talking about this next chapter because we're all headed there, you know? And I know there's just like one woman I I follow on my feed who I think is uh, like, I can't remember her name right now, but she's a psychologist and she talks about parenting older kids and a video popped up today talking about this element of being like the fun house or she was talking about it from the perspective of when your kid needs a lift somewhere. Oh yeah. She's like, right. She's like, be the person that drives the car, but just don't talk. Like just listen to their conversation. Pretend that you're not there and like play the fun music. And um, I thought that's really, cause so much of we see, like, I think it's a lot of how we put things, right? Perspective. Now, if you're driving all day for work and then you got to drive your kid around, I get it. Not the most fun idea. But, you know, I sometimes am like, oh, I don't want to drive you. I don't want to do that thing. But if I could look at it from a different perspective. And I think that's where that gentle parenting comes in, like kind of shaking off what we think a parent has to do or has to look like and just kind of doing what feels good, what comes naturally. Yeah, that's a great point. I like being the driver too. Although I will tell you, uh, my son, and I don't want to make a generalization about teenage boys in general, but sometimes when you get his friends in the car, it's silent. <laughs> it is like, I'm like, why, why doesn't anybody talk? And my husband drove them the other day and I was like, did they talk in the car? Nope. Not a word. The time. They're like, stay silent instead of saying something that could be incriminating. Right? It's like they're lawyering up in the car. <laughs> Tell us, what's next for you? What are you working on? What are you excited about? Well, I would say I have refreshed the podcast. So I started my podcast about maybe three, four years ago or so, and it's sort of gone through a few facelifts over the years. But most recently, Friendo, and it's, you know, I've committed to being there weekly, and um, I'm excited about that and just the conversations I'm having there. I also, side note, actually have people helping me with that now, which I think is... That's exciting. It is. It's like an audio person who like fixes the audio for me. And I have a person that edits a little bit here and there. So it's just, 
you know, delegating. So that helps. Um, and I'm actually having fun with TikTok, which has just been such a hurdle for me mentally to get there. But I'm having fun. I feel like I found a groove with some content that's working. And I'm like, let's just see what happens. So I'm excited. I like that TikTok has a little bit of like a Wild West feel to it. Like there's not really very many rules. You yes. can do whatever and yes. say bad things. And it works. So I'm having some fun over there. So speaking of all that, tell everybody where they can find you. Of course, we will link everything on our show notes. Absolutely. So I'm on YouTube twice a week at Amanda Muse, M-U-S-E. And I'm also on Instagram every day in the stories. And TikTok is Muse Amanda. It's always a variation of Amanda Muse, Muse Amanda, (laughs) whatever, you know, name was available. And I'm always around. So those are probably the best places. Well, this has been a delight. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I hope we get to run into each other in the future in person again for more than five minutes. But we super appreciate you being here. And thank you so much. Thank you. I agree. it would be so nice to see you guys again. So fun. It's time for Megan and Wendy Approved, where we each share something we've been using and loving lately. And what is your approved item for this week, Wendy? When we were at our rental house, I was kind of grossed out, you know. (laughs) So I ordered new sheets for the bed. Yes. And I didn't want to, like, obviously spend a bunch of money. So I just ordered the Amazon Basics. Yeah. It's called the Amazon Basics Lightweight Super Soft Easy Care Microfiber Bed Sheet Set. Woof. That's a mouthful. It's a long title, but these sheets are so great. They're so soft. They're good quality. Like, I haven't had any problems with them. They have a bazillion good reviews. They fit nicely. They have over 300,000 reviews. Yes, it's nearly five stars. They were $22.48. For a king set? Yep. We had talked about these sheets, and if you've been here for a while, you know that Wendy has one of those fancy beds that's like a king split, so only the top is split. Mm -hmm. And tell me your solution. We barely use the split. Like, we barely recline them, like, at a different height. You know, my husband and I, like, we put it on the, on the snore setting, and they're just both elevated at, like, the same setting. So instead of forking out hundreds of dollars for a split set sheet set, I just bought these Amazon ones and plopped them on there. Yeah, you are not, like, incline, decline, recline, lifting up your feet, lowering your feet. No. It's all the same. Yeah. Do the feet move on your bed? They do, but they move as a whole piece. A unit. Yeah. So... Yeah, if you just set it and forget it, that's your $22 solution yes, right there. Yes, I was buying the sheets from Sleep Number. From Sleep Number were like hundreds of dollars. There's a hack for you guys. If you have a Sleep Number bed and you and your sleeping partner sleep at the same height, just buy a regular sheet. Yeah, and these Amazon ones are great. I'm telling you, 300,000 reviews. <laughs> Yeah, that can't be wrong, right? No, and they have a bunch of colors and styles. Did and you just get white? I just got white. I love I'm a white sheet. Super boring, but I yeah. Love a crisp white sheet. Uh, I have been on the hunt for a new moisturizer. I don't really know what's going on. 
I had used the same one for years and years and years, and I felt like I needed to upgrade. I did try Wendy's La Roche-Posay. I found that I liked the original and didn't like the one with SPF. Um, but I've been having a lot of trouble with makeup breaking up on my nose because I have oily skin. And so I specifically went looking for an oil-free moisturizer. I'm also working on like a primer combo, but we're going to discuss that later when I've made a decision about whether that actually makes a difference. But I was in Sephora the other day and I'm like, Googling <laughs> moisturizer for oily skin. Do you ever do that? Because mm-hmm. I get overwhelmed. I'm like, well, I know I want something in here, but what do I want? I bought the Paula's Choice. It's part of their clear line. It's their oil-free moisturizer. It feels so nice going on. It has almost a gel consistency, but it just feels so nice going on. It does not make my skin oily, but I do feel moisturized. It absorbs very quickly. It's currently on sale on the Polish Choice website. I don't know how long that's going to last, um, but the full size is $29 full price. It does have niacinamide in it. So if you get like red flaky skin, that helps with that. Niacinamide is also pore minimizing. It just feels great. It is listed as a PM skincare product. And I wonder if that's because it doesn't have SPF. Yes. Maybe. But it's not heavy, and I can absolutely wear it under makeup. So I'm using it in the AM as well. I'm surprised you want to spend that much money. I don't. I don't. (laughs) If you can tell me a drugstore moisturizer, the La Roche-Posay is still $20. I know. I know. But why are you not revisiting CeraVe then? I don't know. Maybe I will. Maybe I will. Don't complicate things. Go back to what works and what you like. I know, but I just can't keep my makeup from breaking apart on my nose. Oh, that's, that's doing it. Yeah, maybe you need to explore a primer, like specifically for one area of your face. So I did buy the Milk Makeup Hydro Grip Primer. Mm -hmm. I bought a mini size of that because that again is more expensive than my preferred wet and wild price point Mm -hmm. (laughs) for primer. And I'm liking it. I just haven't used it long enough to decide. Cool. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. A huge thank you to Amanda Muse for joining us. All the details from everything we've discussed will be in our show notes written by Wendy. So if you need a link to anything, you can find them at meganandwendy.com slash podcast. Have a great week, everybody. Goodbye. Bye.